Ben, welcome to the show. How you doing, sir? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Griff and I are, are excited to talk about this topic as a couple of uh, washed up sports guys. We're going to be talking about coaching. So hey, speak, for, speak for yourself, Frankie. Hey, man, I've seen these pick those jumpers. I don't know. They need a little work, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll get into it later. Um, but we're, we're super excited to chat about this. It's a topic that um, as sellers, it's one of the most important things that we can be doing, but it's not talked about or done enough. So we're excited to chat about it. So Ben, uh, give us a breakdown of, of coaching, why you're so passionate about it. You know, I've, I started in my career in sales and sales leadership. And frankly, when I first moved to sales leadership, I didn't do a good job coaching. Like I, I just recognized it right away that I myself was, was not doing that. And I think it was because as a seller, I had never had a really, really good sales coach myself. And um, I started to see other sales leaders around me who were making more of an impact, who saw their teams, you know, accomplishing more, closing bigger deals, just doing things that I wanted my team doing for their own sake. And over time through some mentors and, and different people, I just learned like coaching, coaching is the most important thing you can do as a sales leader. It's, it's the most important thing. Everything else aside, like, you, yeah, you've got to close deals. Yeah, you've got to help business keep moving, but forecast right and all that. But you have to be coaching your team. And, um, and then, it, you know, backtracking in my career, I realized how my own career might have changed and been different had I received that coaching myself. Um, so it just really struck a chord as I, I moved through that. And then as I got into enablement, um, I, I saw consistently different companies I've worked with from an enablement perspective, um, the teams where we could get the, the leaders coaching were consistently more successful than the teams where the, the leader was busy doing other things. So, so Ben, we're going to get into sort of the positive benefits of coaching later on in the episode. And I, sure. I've worked for some great coaches and I've worked for some, I don't think they could spell coaching. Uh, but from your perspective, help us understand what are some of the common, um, not excuses that sell, uh, that sales leaders make for not coaching, but what are some of the, the bad things that coaches do consistently that they need to avoid? Yeah, people, <clears throat> leaders think that they're coaching every time they talk about, we talk to the rep, they think it's coaching. Every time they talk about any opportunity, it's coaching and it's, and it's not. And so I think we, a lot of, of sellers, uh, most sales leaders are, are former sellers, right? Most sales leaders get, have been promoted and, and moved up. And so they, again, they continue the cycle of doing what they learned. And I think that um, we make a mistake where we don't really look at, am I truly coaching this person or are we just talking about a deal? Are we just talking about an opportunity? And there's obviously different kinds of coaching. I could be career coaching. I could be, you know, opportunity coaching is obviously an important part of, of what we do. Um, but you really have to be um, thoughtful when you're coaching. It's not a, it's not something that you do by accident. It's something that you're, is very purposeful, that's planned out. And you really have to, to build up to do that. But that's what we, we see missing. Uh, a lot of times with leaders is they're not purposeful. They're not intentional. They might do it occasionally, but what they're really doing is just 
helping stuff move forward. They're not truly coaching. And so I think that's probably the biggest um, piece that I keep seeing missing over the course of my career. That's a good point. Yeah. That I think about it. It's like the one-on-one, it, it can be a coaching moment, but you're also there to progress your pipeline, right. And do some mm-hmm. other things that are a function of the business. Let's define, let's define coaching a little bit further than like in your mind, if it's not deal progression and moving the business forward, what are some of the things that you would consider that? I, I think that coaching in general, it's, it's this purposeful, intentional, um, Time where you spend trying to help someone to do better. And that could be opportunities. Uh, opportunity coaching is a thing. It's an important thing and it, and it should happen. Um, but the antithesis of all this, that's my big word for the day. By the, way, the antithesis of all this is we, we, we see a lot of leaders come in at the end of the deal and start coaching like, okay, we got to get it over the finish line. What do we need to do? That's not coaching. That's I'm trying to rescue a deal. Right. Coaching would be if we we're talking about specifically about opportunity coaching, it would be let's talk about this deal early. Right. Let's look at, you know, MedPig or Bant or whatever our methodology is. And let's really are, do we ha- are we multi-threaded? Do we have the champions? Are we doing the things that we know we need to do to be successful? And so I think coaching is, is that purposeful, intentional, um, just trying to help a person move forward. And whether it's an opportunity like I just talked about. Or it could be that career coaching, right? It could be, where do you want to be in a couple of years? And how can I help you get there? And being intentional about, I'm going to give you this opportunity to do this and this and this, which will give you that exposure. So yeah. there's a lot of different coaching, but I think all, all of it has to be very intentional, very purposeful. Yeah, what, so I'm, picking, what I'm picking up, just to finish that point, it's what I'm hearing you say is being proactive rather than reactive. It's going, yeah. going ahead, whether it's thinking about your career, thinking about the deal, thinking about how do you want to progress as an AE? How do you want to progress in your next step? So it's getting ahead versus being reactive just to sum up kind of what I heard you say. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So let's get tactical. Like as far as where these conversations, these coaching conversations happen, I'm thinking about my week to week as a rep and my manager. We have two meetings that on the books consistently weekly we are meeting. It's during our one-on-one early in the week and it's during our forecast call sure. on Thursdays. So sure. do you see the best leaders scheduling a coaching one-on-one? Do you see them prioritizing coaching for the majority of their existing one-on-one? Like how do you see, or what do you, what's, what does good look like for, for coaching? I think you do have to have an operational cadence, which is kind of what you were alluding to Griffin. It's like, I, I, you know, every day, every week I do these things, but we also, as sellers, we also need to be, have the time to talk to our customers. We can't be on calls 24 seven doing other things. We've got to be prospecting and reaching out and researching and doing all the things that are part of our job. So, um, when you create that operational cadence, I think having it agreed upon between the coach and the coachee, right, is is important. So, hey, every other week when we meet during our one-on-one, I want to be very intentional. So week one in our one-on-one, I want that to be you pick one deal that's early stage and we're going to talk about it and we're going to really just talk through it. And that can be a, a kind of coaching. Um, and week two, 
um, I want to talk more about your your career and and your progression and where you're going to be. In week three, I want to spend some time talking about your holistic business, your territory, your patch. Um, again, it's being you know proactive about making sure we talk about these things because otherwise, what one on ones become is just hey, what happened in the game yesterday, right? And yeah. what happened over here, and it's not it's not intentional. Make the news, don't report the news. Yeah, exactly. I think there's another important piece that before we even get to that point of building that cadence that I think is really important. And it is, I can't really coach you if you don't trust me, Mm. if you don't respect me. Um, So if there's no relationship there, you're going to find it hard to take any feedback from me. And so there there does need to be a, a trust, respect kind of relationship for this to be an effective coaching relationship. And and so even before you get to your cadence and all the other pieces, there needs to be all of that as well. How do you make do you that happen? You, yeah, well, and, and to <laughs> add on to Frankie's question, how does that happen? Do, do you think that that's possible for to build that trust if you've got a rep that's working for a manager where that manager did not hire that rep? <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. So, so I'll give you the example of, uh, at our team on our team. Like we have, we have a, we have a manager who I came here to work for. I, we have that trust. Like we have that exact trust. But there was a time where I was working for two different managers that I, that didn't bring me on, and so there was there was a little bit less trust. I'll say. So I'm curious, and, and I don't think we spent a ton of time building that up. So I'm curious from your perspective how you see uh, great sales leaders build that trust. So in those relationships, if you if you don't have that initial trust, what are you? What would the managers do to build respect? I I think that this is no different than selling uh, to customers to prospects. I think it's exactly the same. Um, it is you know how do I build trust with a prospect who knows that I'm trying to sell them something that's not not keeping it a secret? But how do I how do I build that trust? And it's by you know, doing what you say you're going to do. It's by proving and showing that you've got their best interests in mind. You know, all the things that we would do as sales, the sales leaders now in part as sellers, now we're the sales leaders customer in addition to all of our prospects. So it's, it's very similar um, in my mind and being now in the enablement world, that's exactly what I um, think of as well. I have to build the trust and respect of the stakeholders, which are now sales and sales leadership. And I have to ensure that if I don't have that, nothing I push out to sales is going to land or, or run with. So. So right now it's, it's um, September, 2023, which is just crazy to think about that summer's over and we're towards the end of the year already, but we're still in this interesting time. So what, what do you think the biggest, thing that sellers need more coaching on right now during this time? I do think it's uh, right now it is, um, in my mind, it's opportunity coaching. I think, you know, depending on what you're selling, there's an opportunity right now where you still have a few months left in the calendar year, depending on your fiscal, and you could still bring some, some opportunities that aren't very far along in, um, that, you know, would be good for both the customer and you. And so I, I think right now, opportunity coaching, if I were uh, still a sales manager today, that's what I would be focused on. Um, and if I were a seller listening to this, I would be tapping on my manager's door uh, or their email or their Slack or however you, you're contacting your manager and saying, hey, I, I would love to, to get some sales coaching. I would love yeah. to to 
you know, kind of get ahead of that. And I'd love to you to to talk about this opportunity with me. I, I want to move it forward. I feel stuck or I feel like something's not quite right. Proactively doing it. Yeah, I think that's a big challenge a lot, a lot of sellers have, <clears throat> including myself at times, is you don't want to get feedback from somebody like your manager because you don't want them yeah. to tell them that tell you that your deal is wrong or that it's not closing because we work so hard to get these deals going. But yeah. the best thing you can do is you have to have, I'm glad you brought it up. You have to have that safe environment where it's okay to bring it up and you're not going to get, you know, I'm not going to come to Griffin if he's my manager and say, Hey, I want some help with this. And Griffin's going to start beating me over the head with stuff. If I Griffin might. and I have a, he might, you know, that's a different story. I'll probably never work for Griff for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Griff. <laughs> you be my manager anyway. You wouldn't meet the qualifications, you know, of my team. There we go. Turn mm -hmm. around. I'm not applying, so yeah, that's exactly. a different story. But anyway, what? So sit down, and what? Like, what's a good opportunity coaching framework, or like, what are what are some of the questions that either the seller should be asking their boss, or vice versa? Do you have any thoughts around that? I'm a I'm a huge believer in, in medic medpick um, as a framework for for opportunity coaching. So um, one of the things that that we do today we call them deal clinics, not deal reviews, because deal reviews are like how do I get this across the finish line, right? Right. But what we do today is a deal clinics, and and my team enablement helps the, the sales leaders today do that. And what we do is you the seller prepares nothing. They they don't have to build a deck. They don't have to. They all they have to do is send us the, the link to the, the Salesforce opportunity. And we just go, we, we talk them through the opportunity, right? What's the problem that you found? What's the compelling event? Um, who, who is your champion? Are you sure they're a champion? Cause you know, that's, we all get stuck there, right? Ah, that's yeah. more of a coach than a champion, you know, and, and literally just doing, but not all of MedPick cause some of that, it comes a, a smidge later in the cycle, but all that early stage stuff, that's really important that you need to know to move the deal forward. That's, that's exactly what I would do today, right now. So we had a guest on our podcast a few months ago by the name of Nathan Jamail. And Nathan was all about scrimmaging, where you it's, it's role play. So you and your manager get into a, you know, a hypothetical situation and you are given a problem or a task of a discovery call or some sort of meeting that you have to then go and reenact. And he said, you know, once implementing it, the, the effects were tremendous as far as the seller's improvement in their overall skill development. Uh, he would have the reps do it in, in a group setting uh, or they would review recorded phone calls, almost like game film for, I know Frankie said we got some washed up athletes here, but, you know, when you think about professional or even, you know, college sports, one of the biggest things that you do is you review film. And you look at, okay, let's look at the bad. Let's look at the good examples of good examples of bad that we got to clean up. And I, I feel like that's totally missing from today's selling coaching environment. So I'm curious if you've ever seen anything like that or what's your take mm -hmm. on something like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't call them scrimmages, but I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I, I call them real plays. Uh, the goal is to make it as realistic as possible, but right. Role plays are a necessary evil in our world, right? But the goal is to make it real. The goal is to to not have this crazy situation that would never happen. The goal is, okay, let's let's pick a real life, what's happening today? So I mentioned deal clinics earlier. I mean, in an ideal world, 
I would have some of the team sitting in on that deal clinic because deal clinics are not supposed to be gotcha. It's supposed to be, how can we help this? You know, what can we help uncover and give you a different perspective to move this forward? Um, so whether it's a, you know, a role play type of situation or a deal clinic type of situation, I do think that we do our best work as sellers when we have other people helping us be accountable and looking at things. Um, it's like, you know, just like anything, we, we don't see our, our, ourselves maybe the same way that others can see us, our situations, the way that, that someone outside would see them. So I, I think it's really important to have things like that. Yeah. Do you bring in other reps into that? Like, would you mm -hmm. have, okay. Cause I think that's yeah. a good thing because then a rep might view, might know, not necessarily know somebody in the account, but strategize differently or think about it differently, you know? So if we're all on the same team, you got to create that environment where rather than, you know, leaderboard matters, but Hey, how do we all go make money together as a company? We're, I mean, selling is a team sport. Absolutely. Um, and we have to work together to do it. And so I, I would love, I love to bring reps together. Um, and sometimes the, the essays or SEs, depending on where you are, um, you know, leadership, whoever we can, but it, you know, bring people together to talk about these things. Absolutely. Frankie. I think that's right. What is, so, go ahead. I keep cutting you off, Greg. You're up. <laughs> yeah, what the heck, Frankie? Jeez, Louise, man. <laughs> we have a flow here, you know? <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk about I know you're excited. No, I'm <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking next week, yeah, I'm, I've got my one-on-one, -on -one, I've got my forecast with my manager. We have reps and managers that listen to this podcast. In your opinion, who does this responsibility fall on to prioritize the coaching? Is this something that you mentioned the rep go knock on the manager's door and say, look, we need to have a session? Or is this message more for leaders to say, it's not enough to just have a one-on-one -on -one or a deal clinic or, you know, just, or a forecast call. Like you have to, you have to be the one that's scheduling time with your team outside of the normal day-to-day -to, -day to prioritize a coaching session. And you're the one going through the agenda saying, this is what we're going to focus on today. It feels like a loaded question, Griffin. I, I don't know, but I, I think, I think leaders um, it's, that's gotta be one of their priorities. Leader, first line leaders, I think, are in particular, that's the hardest job in any company. I mean, you are tactical, you're strategic, you're in the weeds over here and forecasting over here. It's an incredibly hard job. And if so, as we've talked about, if you're not proactive, if you're not intentional and purposeful about scheduling this time, it will not happen. So I think it's got to be something that you just you put it on your calendar and you're very intentional about it and you, you really work with the seller, right? If you've built that trust and, and respect, you work with the seller to figure out like, where should we, where do you want to be coached? Like, where do you think would have the most impact? Here's what I see, but let's make sure we're on the same page. Um, but and because I've been a bad manager and a good manager, I think, uh, I think that um, the reps that come forth and also say, hey, I could use this, that helps your manager to change their approach. It helps your leadership to say, oh, geez, if if you need this, probably other people need you. Like you can change your manager's mindset. It's not that managers don't want to do it. It's that they're pulled in so many directions. So I would start with the leader and then I would say, but all of us, it's on us to ask for what we need. 100%. Outside of your direct manager, 
what are some other tips or resources that reps can be looking uh, to get some of this knowledge? So that's part one. And then part two, where would you suggest leaders to go look uh, to become better coaches? I think I actually think if if you um, for the for the sellers, the first piece that you brought up, Frankie, I think the best thing that, that you could do is to put yourself in your manager's shoes look at the same resources your manager would look at. Like, it's not like coaching should be this big secret thing that only managers know how to do, right? Um, one resource might be if there's someone who is is on your team, another seller on your team who seems to be doing good, maybe they can help do a little coaching. That could be a place you could get some feedback and guidance. But I think that sellers, the best thing they can do, whether they want to be leaders in the future or not, go look at some of these, read the books, look at the websites. Um, and then for, for managers and, and so then tied to sellers uh, for the second part of your question, Frankie, um, there are so many places that offer sales coaching programs. I think personally that um, a book that I really like, it's called um, The Five Secrets of a Sales Coach. It's by Corey Bray and, and Hillman Sori. Um, that's a really good one. It gives you several frameworks for how to diagnose what's happening on your team. And then if you're going to coach, uh, the, it's five secrets of a sales coach and the coach is an acronym that, that gives you a, a guide for, you know, the steps to take during coaching. Um, that's a, a great book. Um, I also, uh, I like just holistically, I like, um, uh, the Sandler book, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar is, is a good one for sellers holistically. And I think there's, there's some pieces in there. Um, I went through a sales coaching program early this year with, um, sales readiness group, SRG, they have a, a pretty solid program. Um, and there's a lot of others, rain group and a lot of others that have a really solid sales coaching program. So depending on if you have a little discretionary funds um, in, in your, sometimes companies will give us a little money to learn or to attend things and do things. If you have that, go to one of the seminars, do something. If you don't feel like you have that, grab, you know, some of the coaching books and, and you'll learn a lot, whether you're a seller or a sales leader, you'll learn a lot just looking through that, you know? So speaking of events, talk to us a little bit about your upcoming trip to San Diego. Oh, Yeah. I'm super excited. Um, this will be the third time I've spoken at the, the Sales Enablement Society conference. Um, it's held once a year, uh, different locations every year. This year it's in San Diego, first week of October. And uh, super excited. This will be my third time. This year I'm focused, uh, we're talking about, um, a to the topic is A Tale of Two Stakeholders, a spinoff of A Tale of Two Cities, uh, if you guys have read that. And, and it is going to be about sales leadership, sales coaching, um, and the importance of everything that we've talked about on the phone today, but even double clicking and, and taking it a bit further. So um, that's going to be a, a great time. Uh, if you're in enablement, that's a, the place to be. Almost a thousand enablers coming together. Like it's it's a, a, an amazing event every time I've been. That's great. <clears throat> so before we, we wrap up with the last question, um, is there anything that you want to share that we haven't covered real quickly before we wrap with the last question, Ben? Um, I, I think that you have to pivot your mindset when you, um, when you become a manager, when you become a sales leader, you have to pivot your mindset and, and change the way that you think. And I, the, the greatest thing that you can do is not 
to forecast well. The company loves it, but it's not the most impactful. Uh, the greatest thing you can do is is coach your people and be there for them and in the ways that they need. And so you have to pivot your mindset from being that super seller where you were an amazing seller and you closed a lot of deals and you did a lot of things. And, and it's time to t go from that to how do I help others do the kinds of things I did? Um, not, I need to do it at more accounts. And so it's that change of mindset that I think is, is hugely important. So um, sellers on the, who are listening, if, if you're thinking about going into leadership, I think, you know, think about that. If you're already in leadership, keep thinking about that and, and just that trust, that respect, build that relationship so that your coaching can be effective. Some great insights. And Ben, you know, as Frankie mentioned, we like to wrap these episodes the same way. You've been a rep, a leader, you're in enablement. You've seen sellers from all walks of life. Uh, would love your definition and how you look at uh, an elite seller. Yeah. Um, I, I've listened to some of your podcasts. I knew you were going to ask this, so I, I had time to think about it. Um, and there, so many things came to mind. But I think it comes down to elite sellers. They value both their time and their prospect customer's time. And because of that, they look to find ways to focus on helping people solve problems and not just selling. That would be my That's definition. Great. Love that. Love that answer. Really good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about coaching, but you totally <laughs> went 180 on us. <laughs> so that was yeah. good. <laughs> that was great. Well, Ben, thanks for joining us today. I learned a ton. I need to go block off some coaching blocks on my calendar right after this. I don't know uh, <laughs> if anybody else feels that way, but I definitely do. So, Thank you for uh, sharing your wisdom and imparting uh, your knowledge on us today. We appreciate it. It was great. I love, love being able to do this with you guys. So thank you so much. Appreciate it, Ben. Stay on, Ben. We're going to, we'll stop the recording. <laughs>